Hey folks, welcome to episode 287 of the FLW Bass Fishing Podcast in Shaftesbury, Vermont. I'm Jody White. I'm joined uh, by the pride of Norwalk, uh, <laughs> Kyle Wood. Yes, sir. Um, Kyle, I gotta say, I sent you a text this morning. Uh, it looks like uh, they're encouraging Iowans to uh, be safe on the ice. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's finally getting cold. Uh, you can start... Uh probably venturing out especially up uh, northern iowa i don't know really about around where i'm at but uh yeah it's it, the time is coming near and uh it sounds like your time to explore the ice is uh just hours away it is indeed uh i this morning uh, in the dark i went up i checked some ice i was like oh baby i walked like halfway across the lake didn't fall in punched a bunch of holes eli was having no part of it. He did not <laughs> want to go on the ice. He was going to stay right up by the truck. Uh, so we'll see how that goes later on today. Um, he's very well. He's very fluffy. I feel like he's very well equipped to ice fish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and but uh, anyway, we uh, we are soon going to be on the ice here in Vermont. It was like seven degrees last night, Ooh, so uh, that's yeah. good ice making weather. Yeah, that's pretty much. But anyway, we have, I suspect, a really good show for you this week. Uh, our interview is going to be with Todd Walters. We haven't done it yet, but uh, Kyle, you're going to do it tomorrow. It's going to be fantastic, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's going to um, be awesome. And then, honestly, Kyle, you and I have kind of made up some stuff to talk about because as of us recording this, we don't really have any news. There might be some news this week, uh, from what I understand, but it's not a news that we have to share literally right now. Hmm. Um, but anyway, we're going to play the Tackle Warehouse game. I pulled up a few items. We have some more active target thoughts. And honestly, we'll probably talk about ice fishing some more or something. Um, how's it sound, Kyle? You think we're good to go? Man, I think so. Yeah, let's uh, let's get after it. All right, folks. Well, as you've probably seen uh, from the title of this bad boy... This week's guest is Mr. Todd Walters. Uh, Todd, you fished uh, with FLW for a while now. Uh, you had a great season on the Eastern Division of the Toyota Series. You're going to be fishing the TAC Warehouse Pro Circuit next year. Uh, thanks for taking time out of your day to join me, man. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, you know, like I said, Jody and I have been talking about, uh, you know, we're, we're working on having a field list out. It may be out right now when people are listening to this, but uh, we thought, you know what? We should just have someone on that we know is fishing the pro circuit next year. And uh, I believe you finished second in points uh, in the Eastern Division. Uh, yes, second. Yep, that's so, correct. So, uh, you know, you're one of the guys who got the invite. Uh, you took it. And, um, you know, I think uh, it's going uh, to be a fun year next year. It is going to be a fun year. A lot's changing. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty based on the current state of covid yep. um so there's a lot of stuff in the air probably not the greatest year to start as a rookie but <laughs> you know you, you get the invite you gotta you the opportunity presents itself you gotta jump on it and you gotta be 100 percent in and that's what i am right now well you said uh you know before we started recording here you were talking about um you're 47 years old uh which you know 
I think the last couple of years, we've really had a pretty good mix of, you're not seeing these like, you know, late teens, early 20 year old dudes jumping into the top level of fishing. It's been actually kind of strung out across uh, the age barrier. Do you feel like, uh, you know, the timing is also right for, for you to dive into this uh, next step of professional fishing? Yeah, you know, um, all I've ever wanted to do in my entire life is to fish professionally. Um, I just never had the opportunity to, for whatever reason, whether it was money or it was, you know, just going to get the time off of work to do it 100%. Because I know that to be able to do this and to be, find any kind of success, you got to be all in. You got to sure. dedicate sure. 100% of your time with sponsors. You got to dedicate 100 time, 100% of your time with, you know, doing research, practicing. Um, getting all of your stuff ready. It's been a little eye-opening the last three months. Beginning of September, before we went to Potomac River, which was the second tournament of the year, you know, I had no idea I would be where I am right now. It happened that fast. So, um, you know, a lot of stuff. Luckily, I have a few friends that are on tour, and, uh, you know, I've been battling with them for years, and BFLs, All-Americans, and um, and this year at the Toyota Series, David Williams is a very good friend of mine. We tied in the points, but he won overall, which he <laughs> deserved to do it. He he made the top ten all three times. Right, right. Um, so you know he deserved it, and he's a great guy. He's a great fisherman. Um, so I'm very happy for him. But uh, you know it was fun. I, I I honestly I had fun the last tournament. Um, you know, we were both, we both made the cut. I was a little bit ahead of him. He whacked him on the second day and it came down to the last day. That was a blast. I mean, I, at that level, I just, I'm like, I'm cut out for this. I need to be doing this. I, this rush is unlike any other thing I've ever felt in my life, except for getting married, of course, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) but it was a blast, you know, and I, I felt like I belonged. I felt like I had paid my dues, you know, in the, in that quote unquote, single a and double a um and i'm i'm just ready i think that a good mix between young and a little bit older is always good mm-hmm. um, there's always things that we can learn from each other and i think that that's another thing that i'm looking forward to is at this level fishermen tend to help fishermen a little bit more uh whether it's you know you need a certain bait or you have a question about a fish finder there's gonna be somebody around that knows the answer to your question or right. or can lend a hand and and i'm always willing to lend a hand whether it's you know um, knowledge of, uh, technology or, you know, a certain lure or whatever, I'm always willing to help. So I'm looking forward to, to running with these guys and competing with these guys. It's all I've ever wanted to do. Well, uh, you know, speaking of all you've ever wanted to do, we should probably get into a little bit of, uh, just background on who you are. Um, you know, on our website, we have you listed out of Kernersville, North Carolina, uh, which explains why you know a lot of guys that, uh, you know, fish professionally or are just all around hammers because North and South Carolina basically breeds them. Uh, there's something in the water, man. I don't know what it yeah. is, <laughs> but it pumps yeah. them out. Uh, is that where you grew up? No, I actually grew up in um, in Buffalo, New York, Western New York. So, oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. So when, um, I guess when I got out of college, I just, I knew that I wanted to be in the South. Um, I've always been a fan of warmer weather and fishing year round. Those are just sure. things that appealed to me. So I, I'm sure you understand living in Iowa, yep, but, yep. um, you know, I, it, it's just, it, I've always wanted to be in the South, even, you know, growing up and fishing ponds and, you know, I fish some smaller tournaments and et cetera, but I've always wanted to be in the South. And, uh, you mentioned, you know, there's a lot of hammers in North Carolina. I mean, what better 
place to learn than to fish with some of the best guys, you know, at, at a lower level. Now all these guys are killing it, which has been inspiring to me seeing all these guys not only get to that level, but to succeed and to be, to be killing it at that level. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's inspiring and it gives me, it gives me a lot of, uh, it gives me a lot of confidence going into, going into a uh, rookie year. So did work, uh, like, did you get a job down South or did you just kind of up and move and say, well, I'll figure it out when I get down there. Uh, but the draw of fishing kind of brought you there. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, I, I had a, I had a Ford Ranger. I didn't have a boat at the time. I loaded the back of my little Ford Ranger and drove from Buffalo, had the opportunity, was given an opportunity to, um, stay with a friend who I had helped move down here. And he said, well, you know, if you want the opportunity to live in the South, you know, you can stay with me as long as you want to until you get on your feet and start and start uh, making a life for yourself. So I, I was very blessed and fortunate to be able to have that opportunity and to have that door open for me. And of course, I, I, I seized it. And, um, you know, here I am almost 20 years later um, living in North Carolina and, you know, now I'm getting to fish the FLW tour. So everything's starting to come together. It just took a little longer than I'd have liked it to, but everything happens for a reason. So I'm ready to go. Sure. Uh, when was, uh, I feel like a lot of guys that get in, you know, going into their rookie year uh, for a major circuit have kind of a similar theme in that there's a point where you started fishing tournaments and then you maybe started doing well or seeing success that you were like, okay, I think I do have kind of the thing to push it. Was that this year on the Toyota series or was that earlier in life? That was earlier in life. I think when I made three all Americans in four years, I realized that, you know, and, and ended up finishing second to, to Jeremy lawyer at, at, um, Barkley in Mm -hmm. 2016. That was kind of the point where I was like, okay, I can do this. Um, but it it just, it, the, the stars just never kind of lined up at the time. I just started a new job and it just didn't make sense. Um, but now, you know, I, I quit my job two weeks ago. Oh, wow. uh, Yeah. Yeah. You talk about going all in. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely all in, but, um, like I say, you know, it's, it's all I've ever wanted to do. And, and if it, if for whatever reason, something happens, um, I, I'll work in the fishing industry in some capacity, sure. um, just because I love it and I've always loved it. It's just, I was told, you know, very early on that if you love to fish, um, don't work in the fishing industry. I a hundred percent agree with that. Professional. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I a hundred percent agree with that. <laughs> and honestly, that's why I didn't do it. So, you know, I, I got a job in information technology sales and that kind of led into fiber optic cabling and engineering. So that's what I was doing. And I will continue to do that on a consulting basis part time. Sure. Um, but, you know, like I said, if if I don't do this 100 percent all in, I will fail. And I've and, you know, you can have as much luck in the world. But if you don't if you don't go all in, you, you, you the chances of you succeeding are probably, you know, a quarter at best. Oh, so, yeah. So yeah, I quit my job and um, and here I am. I'm ready to go. Well, uh, before uh, we'll we'll talk some more pro circuit, but I do kind of want to circle back to the Toyota series this year again. The the reason you are you know you got the invite uh, is because of your second place finish. Uh, you finished 13th at Hartwell back in March, uh, and then the Potomac you finished second. And uh, I kind of want to talk a little bit about the Potomac because uh, I mean that's a a, this year, it she was kind of stingy. 
But the Potomac, the last few times we've been there, has kind of been a real hit or miss. Uh, but that was the first time I got to talk to you uh, was at that event. I covered that event remotely, uh, but I got to talk on the phone with you a couple of times about how you were catching them. Give me a little bit of a rundown on just kind of your history on the Potomac in general, because obviously that's a place we'll get a visit again next year for the Pro Circuit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I had fished a regional there. It was either last year or the year before. And uh, that was the first time I was ever there. And we had, it was um, a little bit later, I think it was mid-October or so. Um, and I didn't do real good. Um, we had, the conditions had changed so much. That was the day we got, we, we actually had a um, cancellation day because the wind got so bad. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, people, you know, were running their boats up on shoals and it was it was kind of a mess. But I stayed in Mattawoman and just fished there. That was the only place I could find fish. And, um, and I struggled. I just didn't adjust. So having that knowledge and, and running it, I basically ran it for a week. Um, and then when we went back this year, uh, I found a couple areas that were holding some fish and I wanted to, I always try to find more than one way to catch them, um, and catch them in different areas. And I caught some off boat docks and, and I, I like to try to fine tune my pattern as I go along, keep an open mind on day one. So, you know, kind of refine myself on day one. Mm -hmm. I know that, the, I know that, you know, depending on the conditions, if it's sunny and bright out and kind of calm, I'm going to go fish some docks. Um, you know, if you got some wind, I'm going to fish some grass. Uh, so I ended up on the last day, I never started my big motor and I power pulled down, turned my electronics off and just well, the last day I didn't have to do that because it was, it was windy the last day, but the second day is when I kind of tuned it in and kind of figured out what to do, which, which was basically the guys were flipping the grass mats and they were pounding the grass mats every day. They were in the grass mats and I stayed out on the edge and I found like a little, it was like a little ditch on the edge of the grass. And I think those fish were kind of funneling out in and out of there. And I really feel like the pressure that the fishermen were putting on those fish I was intercepting them. They were just coming to me. So I was, you know, it was, it wasn't the most exciting way to fish, but it was, it was more of a patience game kind of yeah. waited out. Um, you know, and I would power pull down, turn my electronics off and just sit there and, and let them come to me and just try to be as stealth as I could. And, and it ended up working out. And I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not, Kyle, but on the first day it rained real hard and I had a, an electrical problem on my boat and I had four fish in my live well and I went probably three or four hours without a bite, which tends to happen at the Potomac River. <laughs> yes, it can. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I ended up losing two fish, which gave me an eight-ounce penalty, and I lost the tournament by seven ounces. So, mm. yeah, yeah, I would have won by one ounce. But, you know, I, I told um, – oh, what's the guy's name that, that won that tournament? Was it um, – uh, James Maupin. James, James yep. Maupin, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I told him at the at Lake Norman. He didn't know about it either, and I told him about it. And he he felt bad, but he deserved it. I mean, it's is what it is. It's 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 part of the game. You know, you got to keep the fish alive, and you know we should be penalized for not keeping them alive. And you know, it's it's my fault, but you know things happen. Yeah, and you do this long enough, you'll have those breaks go against you, and then you'll have some breaks where things go your way. You know what I'm I mean? I'm ready like, for that. Yeah. But then tell me, I, I want to talk a little Norman because you finished the season up. Um, you know, you alluded to it earlier. You finished second at Norman, which I feel like doing well on Norman is 
quite the feat in itself, like making a top 10 on Norman, because the amount of hammers that fish that lake is insane. Like that field, uh, I mean, it was full of dudes that, you know, win all kinds of local stuff there. And uh, so I think, you know, it was another great performance to the end of the season. Um, Obviously, Troy Morrow won that one. Dude's really good uh, at catching fish and, and utilizing his electronics. But like walking away from that, that also had to be kind of a, you know, a, a good feeling in itself just within that tournament to know you came out second place. Yeah. I mean, you look at the top 10 that fished on the last day of that tournament and you'll recognize six or seven of them. You know, they're, they're some of the best fishermen on Lake Norman. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Troy won. And, um, you know, again, just trying to stay, trying to stay flexible and adaptable and kind of fishing the conditions, especially at that time of the year, because the weather does change. I mean, I, one day I had a, I could have wore a t-shirt and shorts, and then the next day I had Under Armour and you know my <laughs> a swimsuit on. So it was, um, it was one of those types of tournaments. But you know, the fish were changing, and you just had to get your timing down right. And luckily, I got my timing down pretty well, and um, almost won that one too. So. Uh, but you know, Troy fished a really good tournament and he was doing something a little bit different than the rest of us. And, um, you know, more, you know, all props to him for doing that. That's kind of what you got to do to win these things. So for sure. Uh, well, I know, uh, we'll talk a little Toyota series champ- uh, championship on Cumberland. Um, I know you put a little bit of time in there, but had you yeah. fished there at all, uh, before, um, qualifying for it? No. So, um, so when I qualified, <clears throat> I had a pretty good idea that I was going to qualify going into Norman um, because I was up there in the points and uh, a couple other guys were too that I travel with. So uh, we went up before cutoff and fished for two and a half days. And, um, you know, I just basically ran around. I, I Obviously, having the championship there the year before and basically the same time of the year, um, you know, everybody pretty much knew what, what they were going to do. I just needed to get familiar with the leg and be able to find a pattern and run with that pattern from one end of the lake to the other. Um, and you know, when you, the day before we had a fish, four official practice days, and then we had a day off and those four practice days were some of the most brutal weather conditions I've ever fished in. Oh, yeah. It was, it was the worst. It was below 40 degrees. The rain was moving sideways and it just didn't stop. And then it was snowed and then it was ice. And then <laughs> yep. Our whole day off, me and Cameron, who ended up finishing second, we spent the entire day like drying out our boat. We had hair dryers <laughs> in the driveway trying to get our compartments open. And once we got them open, you know, of course, we're propping them open and trying to prepare as best we could for because we knew it was going to be brutal. And we knew, you know, I, we were both on fish and um, and, and, and I, I just wanted to make extra sure that there wasn't going to be any problems. I pull up to my first spot, I catch a good one, I lose one, I go to start the motor, and I lost my lower unit. So, oh. you know, yeah, I was fishing way down the lake, and I had just made one stop to fish a 100-yard section of uh, the main river channel. And, caught, and I hadn't fished, I hadn't practiced close enough to the boat ramp, but I felt like if I put my head down and I fished hard, that I could at least keep myself in somewhat contention Sure. to be able to go to my fish on the second day. And I had a couple other things happen where it was like, this is like a bad dream I can't wake up from. 
you know, I broke one off and, and lost a, a really good fish right at the boat, right at the net. And, you know, those two fish would have at least kept me in contention, but it happened. There's nothing I can do about it now. You just gotta, yeah, it's just, it, it's unfortunate that it happened on the first day of the Toyota championship. Yeah. And there were actually, um, there were several guys that had a lot of misfortune, uh, on the first day of the, uh, of that derby too. Uh, and yeah. one of the, the co-anglers that, uh, the co-angler that led the first day, his boater broke down like the second they left the no wake buoy. <laughs> oh no, I didn't know that. Yeah. It was kind it, of, uh, I don't, I don't know why it's, it makes sense to me when our springtime, like when the tour had gone there, right. And we're there in the spring, the water's high, there's logs everywhere. Guys are hitting stuff, mm-hmm. um, you know, wrecking lower units that way. That makes sense to me. This tournament, it was just kind of weird that it was so, uh, I guess hard on equipment. I know it was it was cold. It wasn't like uh, you know, I would say Midwest winter cold, but it was definitely not fun to be in. I can vouch for that. <laughs> yeah, I, when you get in cold temperatures like that, and I love fishing in the winter time. If it snows, I'm going. Um, if it's cold, I'm going. Uh, but you you can tear stuff up real easy when it gets cold. For sure. Everything your electronics, your trolling motor. You know, there's so much of our equipment now is, you know, kind of the margin for error is razor thin. So, uh, you know, you just got to be extra careful and make sure you you're protecting your equipment uh, as best you can. But um, yeah, when you're fishing in the cold, you gotta, you gotta do those types of things to, to not have to avoid issues and still you have issues. Oh yeah. Yeah. You'll, it it seems like it never fails, uh, especially with a boat. Just at some point, things are going to happen. And uh, you just got to, you know, power through it, overcome, and uh, keep on rolling down the road. But luckily, you know, that's the end of the season. Now, we get kind of a little longer turnaround. Thank goodness uh, we're not starting, like, mid-January for the pro circuit like we have in years past. Uh, We at least get February 11th is going to be the kickoff on Lake Okeechobee. Um, From there, I guess I'll run through the schedule just for the listeners to get a little... Uh, refresher and then i'll get your thoughts on uh just some of the lakes maybe what you're excited about maybe uh lakes you're not looking forward to but okeechobee in february then a month later we go to smith lake in alabama uh then we go mid-april to lake murray which should be pretty cool uh may on lake eufaula that's the alabama eufaula uh potomac river end of june st lawrence river end of july and then obviously the title is going to be uh mississippi river out of lacrosse so uh it's a it, i jody and i were saying this is kind of a it seems like a very you know back to the basics uh schedule for the pro circuit nothing too flashy not a lot of new stuff it's all lakes we've been to but some new times of year which is kind of fun uh and i know like personally i'm kind of looking at that lake murray one thinking that could be really fun but what's your take on it todd I'm excited. I mean, I'm I'm really looking forward to getting to Okeechobee at the beginning of February because you just you, with that lake, you just you never know what you're going to get in early February. Um, I got a feeling there'll be depending on the weather um, and the conditions of the water and kind of what happens this winter. But um, really looking forward to that one. Definitely Lake Murray. Obviously, it's pretty close to home. Mm-hmm. Potomac River. Obviously, I've had some success there. And then, who doesn't love going to the St. Lawrence River? Right. <laughs> yeah, you can't. Anytime you got big smallmouths, man. Uh, a that place is one of the most beautiful places in the country yeah. uh, to go catch a bass. But B, it's just chock full of huge brownfish, and and there's nothing better than that. 
It is. And, you you know, you'll you'll see guys in 60, 70 plays coming in after the first day with a huge smile on their face because, you <laughs> yeah. know, they smashed them all day long. They just didn't catch, you know, uh, the, the the giant ones. But, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. And then, um, you know, assuming I make the the, the championship, mm-hmm. uh, you know, lacrosse, Wisconsin, that um, that's you know, that's going to be a blast, too, in August. Anytime you go up north and. June, July, or August, you 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 know you're going to catch a ton of fish. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, I Jody and I get a kick out of it. You know, both growing up in the north, we know how great it is to fish up there, and we know how terrible it is to fish in the south. As a whole, uh, you know, a it's hot, <laughs> and b, yeah. uh, you know, you catch like one, two, five fish a day. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't sound great at all. So I love seeing all the Southern guys go North, whether it's, you know, they fish the Northern division of the Toyota series or when the pro circuit swings North. Uh, like you said, they're in 70th, 80th, 90th place. And they had yeah. like the best day of fishing they've had the yeah. whole year. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. they're not, they're and, not mad about it. <laughs> yeah. And I know we're not fishing with co-anglers, but usually the, the co-angler turnout is, is usually really good because yeah. on a lot of those Northern waters, you, you really don't have an advantage if you're fishing out deep. You know, we've been to Lake Erie, we've been to St. Lawrence, uh, Champlain. Um, uh, and you know, if you're out fishing vertically or you're out fishing offshore structure, you know, the co-angler has an opportunity to catch them and they usually do too. Yeah. So. Yep. Uh, is there a lake on the schedule that you're kind of uh, hesitant Dreading. about visiting, or so? Yeah, like maybe a place you haven't been to a whole lot, or haven't been to at all. I haven't been to Ufala. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, and May is usually a little tricky, um, especially that part of the country. Um, it's almost like they're they're done betting, but you know they're they're not grouped up yet, and yep. on those offshore structure so they're kind of in between so it's uh, I, I anticipate it'll be a semi-junk fishing deal but again you never know until you get there and that's the thing i don't want to have any preconceived notions about any of these places mm-hmm. um you know i'm not going to go on youtube and watch okeechobee uh videos i'm not going to you know look at smith lake videos i just you know i want to understand the fishery the type of fish that are in that lake the forage the cover and then just kind of break it down but I would say Ufala is probably going to be the most tricky with Murray probably pretty close depending on the weather. They'll, at Murray, there'll probably be a few fish still bedding, but they should most likely just be getting off the bed. Um, but we'll see. You know, and I'm looking forward to the Potomac, obviously, and the St. Lawrence. Sure, sure. Well, you know, you pointed out Okeechobee, and um, I actually just got done. I'm writing a, just a real brief preview uh, for it, and it's interesting because – Okeechobee is very uh, feast or famine. It can be really, mm-hmm. really good, but it can also be pretty terrible. And the, mm-hmm. la- the last several times we've been there, it hasn't been all that great. Uh, mm-hmm. When Tim Frederick won, that was probably the best it's been in a while. But you'd have to flip all the way back to like 2011 uh, or 2010, which would be like the, I think that was like the Tharp McMillan 100-pound uh, mm-hmm. back-to-back mm-hmm. years. But that yeah. was like cold front right before the tournament all the big mm-hmm. females were getting ready to spawn there was a moon there and mm-hmm. they pulled back under the mats and the guys wrecked them like we just haven't had those stars align but i'm gonna be the optimist and say that maybe this is the year we see uh okeechobee kind of light up for us because it's been fishing really well this whole season uh i talked with the uh jared mcmillan since we text all the time throughout like 
you know, March, April, May, times we never have tournaments on Okeechobee, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're wrecking them. So the lake's fishing good. Yeah. And I think it, I like the time of year just because we're not in January. I think we're slightly less susceptible to a cold front or the major cold front that normally follows FLW down there. And uh, <laughs> if I don't have to wear my warm uh, weather clothing when I'm in Florida, I'm okay yeah. with that. But the fact yeah. I have to bring it every time I go <laughs> is a yeah. little frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you don't you don't know what you're going to get in February, early February. And the same thing can be said about Smith Lake in early March. You don't know what you're going to get. I, you know, yeah. Yeah, Smith, Smith Lake is is not nearly as south as as Okeechobee is, but um you you don't know what you're going to get at Smith Lake either. So, yeah, I'm hoping Lake Okeechobee shows out. I mean, it's it's due. It's it's it seems to be kind of on an upward swing. I know they had a hurricane come through there, which you know destroyed a lot of the the habitat and the vegetation. Yep. Seems like some of that's starting to come back now. It seems like the water is is more stable, and they might have had a couple of good years of spawning. Um, but it seems like there's you know the population is up, the size is up, um, but that lake always gets pounded. So um, I you know you, you you try to look for something different, but it, it's hard to break that preconceived notion of knowing you know where they should be in their cycle um it's just you know where am i going to be able to go not have 50 boats around me and be able to catch you know enough fish to stay in the hunt for the final day so um but it should be fun i'm looking forward to it it should be um i I expect it's going to show out it's just it's too february 11th i mean it's it's too perfect yeah (laughs) yeah absolutely uh, I think, uh, I don't know. I, I, the schedule I think is going to be pretty good. I think we have the chance of hitting most of these fisheries, uh, you know, at a really good time for fishing to be really good, not only from like a, um, you know, a live standpoint for people watching you guys fish, but also just from the standpoint of you guys having fun while you're competing, uh, and trying to make a living. So I think that that's usually when I feel like you get the most warm fuzzies from a fishery is when if you guys are having fun and it looks like it's fun, then people want to go there and it helps the whole industry kind of revolve around versus, uh, you know, those grinder tournaments when it's 10, 11 pounds, 12 pounds is, you know, good. <laughs> yeah, no. And we, you know, with, with COVID pushing all the tournaments back to August, September, October, November, you know, you saw how, drastic weights can be oh, when yeah. you fish a lake at the wrong time like mm-hmm. like norman if we would have fished lake norman in december uh you would have saw some real big bags um but you know when we when we did fish it, it's probably one of the most difficult times to catch bass on that lake so sure, sure. um and, and that you know it's, that wasn't by design i i love the challenge i love when it's tough but yes when you know, everybody's catching them and everybody's happy. It is a different, is a much different, um, atmosphere at the tournament. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I've always said I, I was a fan of like, I, I never disliked having the cup in August when fishing was tough, right? Like if you're competing for this big prize and you're going to be the best of the best, you should be able to figure them out when it's not good, right? When they're mm-hmm. not on beds, uh, when they're not loaded up pre-spawn somewhere, uh, that made sense to me still. Uh, I like that now, you know, this year, obviously we had the title at Sturgeon Bay, um, for 2021, the titles on the Mississippi river, uh, while it won't be like real big bags, there'll be a lot of fish caught. And I think mm-hmm. that just from the way the industry is going, like how big of a role that live plays, um, and how big of a role, like all of your, the angler social media is, 
the more you can show off the fishing, you know, being fun and you guys having fun, I think it just, it trickles down everywhere and it, it benefits everyone. Sure. And, and I'm sure viewership goes up too. I mean, nobody wants to sit there and watch somebody cast for eight hours <laughs> yeah. and every once in a while. Or stare at the ground. Yeah. Fish, so, <laughs> right. Know. So everybody wants to see everybody, you know, smashing them. So, you know, hopefully that way this is designed and hopefully we'll put on a good show. Well, uh, I think we can probably move on from pro circuit talk, but um, we should probably just wrap a little bit more about like uh, what you got going on. First and foremost, uh, you have your own podcast, uh, which is probably why the folks listening to this are like, wow, this is the best audio you've ever had with a guy you're interviewing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but tell me a little bit about that. How'd you get into that? So um, one of, a very good friend of mine, Brad Staley, who's fished FOW, and he's fished the Opens, and he's competed at at, at AAA level, I guess you could say, for, for several years. He and I kind of got together a few years ago, and we were fishing a Thursday night tournament on a local lake, and the banter that was going back and forth between me and him was just, it was, I had to record it. So I'm like, dude, we just need to do a podcast. I mean, we know enough about fishing, but from an entertainment perspective, I think if somebody was listening to this conversation right now, they would be entertained. So <laughs> I was like, you know, it's it's a good idea at the time. Not everybody had a podcast. And um, so we, we just started we just started screwing around with it, recording. We got some really good guests on and um, it just kind of it just kind of took off from there. We're still learning. I haven't had a tremendous amount of time to dedicate to it. It can be better. Um, and hopefully I'll get, I'll get, uh, I'll get some help with that to, 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 to make it better. But that's how it started. We were on a boat, we were just bannering back and forth. And I, I, I was a huge fan of a, I'm a big New York Yankees baseball fan. And I started listening to a, um, I started listening to a podcast and I think he had about 500 to a thousand listeners when I first started listening and then I saw the growth and his listeners just go through the roof. And I was oh, like, this sure. is an opportunity for us to, you know, promote our sponsors and, you know, take some of the knowledge that we have and, and try and help other fishermen that may not have as much time to be able to dedicate to fishing. Um, you know, we do tips every week. We do local news. We do national news. And we just bust on each other the entire time. I mean, it's it's a blast. And I, it, it's the the dynamic between me and Brad is just it's really good. And, you know, we, we rib on each other and we know it's just for it. We're just kind of busting on each other because, you know, we, we're, we're like brothers. So. Um, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun and, you know, we'll continue to do that. It's on Apple, uh, Spotify, Google podcasts. It's called fishing for real, a podcast, R E E L. Oh, I, uh, I was just going to ask you where you could find it, but yeah, you're pretty much covered anywhere. You can find a podcast, uh, fishing for real, a podcast is uh, yes, sir. what you got to look up. Um, that's cool. I'll have to, uh, I'll have to dive into it. I've, I've always said I'm actually, despite doing the podcast uh with jody i'm not the biggest podcast listener i'll dabble from time to time uh, i probably should listen to him more but uh i'll definitely have to uh next tournament i drive to i'll i'll kick off with the fire your podcast up and start listening to what you guys have to say yeah, it's a great way to kill time. Um, not only do I listen to fishing podcasts and baseball podcasts, but I'll listen to podcasts on pretty much every subject. And, you know, driving to some of these tournaments 
to, to kind of pass the time and kind of distract yourself and kind of get locked in and, and you're driving and you're focusing your concentration. It, it helps me a lot. And there's so many good podcasts out there. There's so much information out there. Um, it's hard to kind of narrow it down to who I listen to, but you know, I have my 10 or so favorite podcasts that I listen to. And, um, you know, it's, it, 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 it's, it's a great way to have a, um, to have a long form conversation and, to keep people engaged. And the next thing you know, it's, it's two hours later, you're, you know, you're, <laughs> right. you're two more hours into your trip and you look down at the time and you're like, where did the time go? Uh-huh. Um, it, it's like what, you know, it's almost like watching a movie while you're driving. I, it kind of is. I do really appreciate that. Um, yeah, you can get a lot more out of stuff than you can, you know, if you watch a, a video, um, you know, a, you probably shouldn't do that when you're driving, but B, uh, you know, usually like that, eight, 10 minute marks, a pretty good mark. If they're, you know, you get like 20 minutes, it's kind of long. Sometimes I feel like in a podcast, uh, if you fire it up and you're listening to something, whether it's a subject, like my wife listens to crime podcasts all the time. And mm-hmm. so in turn, I've listened to crime podcasts and by the end of them, I'm like, no way, man, I can't believe <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like you get so sucked into it, but I, I didn't care about it to, to begin with. Uh, but the more you listen to it, you're like, Whoa, okay. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's some there's some really really good ones out there. Depending on your you know your interests and your perspectives, um, pretty much every subject is covered now. Uh, it's probably getting a little oversaturated, but um, you know you just got to kind of pick and choose the good ones and sure. and and you know just listen to whatever your your interests are. But there's there's I'm sure there's a good one out there for pretty much every subject there is. And uh, so I believe next year, or I assume you'll uh, you'll be trying to keep these podcasts rolling um, when you're on the road too. Yeah, we do one every other week. Um, okay, just to just to well, you know, now during the winter time, during the pandemic, we really didn't do too many of them because there just wasn't a lot of a lot to talk about. You know, everybody <laughs> yeah, was <laughs> everybody was fishing. You know, nobody, nobody really wanted to listen to, uh, you know, about fishing. There wasn't, right. you know, there wasn't any tournaments to talking about. There wasn't really, um, did they even have iCast? I think they had like a virtual yeah, iCast. Yeah, it was a virtual thing, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, with everything going to a virtual, it, it just wasn't, you know, the, the content wasn't there. But once we got ramped back up and with me doing well, there was, you know, obviously there was, there was interest and in our viewership went up. Our, our listenership, I guess, because yeah. we still don't do. I, we will get to video once I figure that out. I got some work to do on that, but, um, but yeah, you know, it it um, uh, every other week, and and hopefully next year, you know, it'll it'll we'll be able to promote it a little bit more. But um, yeah, you know, we'll do it before. We'll probably do. We do have an off day, which I'm a huge fan of. Yeah, um, we have two official practice days. We get a day off to kind of you know get everything together and get organized and then you know the the tournament starts so probably on that off day you know i'll take half hour 45 minutes and and get brad online and and talk through things what my plan is and um you know we'll we'll keep kicking the content out i think it's a good way to kind of follow along and and you know hopefully follow me virtually every you know facebook instagram twitter uh, linkedin and and now we'll have the podcast so Oh yeah, you kind of got uh, got your bases covered. I do. Started a YouTube channel too. I, I I've been a little slack in getting the the content out, but you know now that the championship's over and 
I can kind of, I'm, I'm, you know, obviously right now I'm working on the business side of things, trying to uh, gain sponsorship and, you know, I'm doing expenses and sp- spreadsheets and booking campsites and, um, you know, just, just trying to, trying to get organized and be as best prepared as I can, um, for, for 2021. Ooh, that, uh, that's a good point. I wanted to ask you because, you know, even though we are kind of fresh off the championship, um, you know, 2021 is right around the corner and, uh, how set up are you, uh, like, do you get, you got your boat for next year? You got, um, like how far along are you like 80% ready to go? Or are you 40% ready to go? I would say I'm 40% ready to go, but I'm okay. always, I'm always, <clears throat> I'm actually probably more like 60 or 70% ready to go. Okay. But I'm always conservative on my, on my guess. <laughs> I, I always think that there's way more to do than there actually is, but there is a lot to do. Um, I got my camper, uh, David Williams talked me into getting one of those, uh, slide in campers that you, that oh, you sure. take with you. Um, and I had just purchased a new Toyota Tundra in, uh, in August. So my truck and my camper, uh, unfortunately my camper has a leak in it brand new camper that was delivered to me and um so that's going in to get repaired but luckily i don't need it until february right uh the boat's on order it's supposed to be here the first week of january we're working on wrap designs for the boat the trailer and the camper right now what uh Uh, what are you running for a boat uh nitro z20 oh i will say i've been in a couple of those and uh they're a lot roomier than i remember with like older nitros i've been in it has a it has a perfect layout for me. Um, it's not too big. It's not too bulky. It's wider towards the front of the, the like where the trolling motor, where you spend most of your time. It's a little bit wider boat towards the front. So I guess it's kind of stubbier. Yep. Um, but it's, you know, it's not as fast as a bass cat or a, or a skeeter, but, um, you know, I, I've been able to get it up to, 74 75 miles an hour with uh with a certain prop but um you know i for me it works the best and i know there's several other guys that prefer a z20 to a z21 um number one it fits in my garage and a z21 (laughs) that's a bonus (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's an absolute bonus but you know when when you're moving in out of docks and um you know you're trying to maneuver in tight quarters i just the Z20 just works better for me. It's, you know, somebody else probably has a different opinion. You see more Z21s than you do Z20s at the mm-hmm. professional level, but um, I like a, a more compact boat. What uh, what else, uh, like sponsor-wise, do you have or so you know, or, or can you talk about for, for next year? Yeah, yeah, I could talk about a few. Um, I got on with Ionic Lithium Batteries. Oh. Um, yeah, I, I, I think with the new especially now with all the other manufacturers coming out with their forward-facing sonar it's a huge drain on your battery um and the batteries that i use ionic are i i lost over 50 percent of the weight in the back of my boat and the longevity and the durability of these batteries is just it's absolutely incredible and now there's you know there's several other manufacturers that are that are making these batteries and it's, it's driving the cost now, which everybody's main thing was, you know, that they, they cost so much, but at this level, it, you know, a thousand dollars is not 
that great of an investment to not have to worry about that because yeah. you know as i mentioned earlier i didn't have lithium batteries when we were at the potomac river if it was a battery issue it may not have happened if i had lithium batteries sure um and i at the end of the day and i've run four graphs four 12 inch graphs live scope a gopro and my live wells my lights and everything that you need to use to fish a tournament. And I'm at, I'm over 75% at the end of the day. There's an yeah, app a, on my phone impressive. where I can actually pull it up and look at all four batteries and see where I'm at. And my trolling motor batteries have never dropped below 80%. And, you know, I, I fish really fast, especially during practice to cover as much water as I can. But they're big game changers, lithium batteries. So, that's um that's lithiumhub.com ionic batteries and then uh my main sponsor for 2021 will be AAR roofing and AAR um apparel so oh. yeah it's uh it's a michigan owned company it's local in kernersville um the guys that i travel with work for AAR roofing um Keith Toller and the owner uh Michelle and Brad um it there were Finishing it up, but it, it it should get done here in the next week or so before Christmas, hopefully. Oh, cool. Um, that they, they'll be my main sponsor for next year. And then I'm on team deals with a few companies. Um, Lou's, Berkeley, Mercury, I'm on their national pro staff. Nitro, same thing. Garmin, uh, Angler's Choice Marine, which is one of the biggest bass boat dealerships in the country. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Sims Outdoor Gear. Nice. Yeah, it sounds like you're... Uh... I would definitely give you a heavy nod towards like the seventy percent <laughs> in terms well, of in terms of people you're working with and, and uh, uh, we've had guys on the podcast before where they're like uh, I don't even know if I'm gonna have a boat for the start of <laughs> I, I it would be my nightmare to I'm not OCD but I think my wife is making me OCD just because (laughs) she's kind of helping me she owns her own small business so as far as preparation goes and things like that she's way better at it than I am (laughs) sure but she's like so where are you with this where are you with that you got your campgrounds booked yet like no Uh, no no (laughs) (laughs) so I'm I'm very uh I'm very shy about over committing to uh percentage wise as far as you know where I am in my in my time frame but i guess i got a handle on things it's just i i want it you know being a northern guy you want it done now you want it done now you want it done now <laughs> well you know the real world it's not how things work but and the world doesn't revolve around me so you know i know there's other people that need their boats built too so but we should be fine i should i should be okay yeah I'm yeah saying that telling myself that i'm trying to calm myself <laughs> It'll Same be okay, time. Todd. It'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get that. Um, oh, man. All right. Well, uh, I like I like how prepared you are. I like that your wife is helping, uh, you know, tighten the screws down on you, keeping you kind of in check. That'll uh, that'll be handy that you're getting all that legwork done ahead of time. Um, the one final thing I do want to ask you uh, before I let you go, because uh, unfortunately I do need to go get some stuff done, but... Um, we've mentioned it a couple times, forward facing sonar, you, uh, you run live scope. Uh, I feel like you're pretty good at using your electronics. Um, Jody and I have kind of dabbled in talking about forward facing sonar. Obviously Lawrence now has active target, um, hummingbirds coming out with whatever their 
thing is uh it's sometime live, next live spring 60 yeah um but so now every company has it so now if you were a guy like if you had lorances before and you're like man i don't feel like buying another graph and a transducer and dropping all this money on it well now you can kind of shave some cost off by the transducer you know and put it on the front of your boat or if you're a hummingbird guy same way what like what is your sell to people to have forward-facing sonar regardless of whatever the brand is uh but like why should i put it on my boat so there's been a few things that have come along in the bass fishing industry that have completely changed the game um number one is spot lock for um, oh yeah for uh minkota when they came out with their Altrex motor and now Lawrence, garmin and um and motor guide all have their versions of it but that power poles um, the Alabama rig, and now you have for, forward-facing sonar. Uh, you have to have it. If you want to compete at this level or even at the single-A, double-A level, I, there's been very few days that I haven't caught a fish because I had forward-facing sonar. And that's okay. that's the truth. Um, when, you, when you have the ability to be able to see out in front of you up to 120 feet um, to, you know, 60, 70, 80 feet of water. I have lakes around here where I fish, you know, the main lake that we fish around here is Belize Lake and it's 125 feet deep in the middle and the fish get out there and they suspend in super deep water. They'll just follow the bait around and, you know, they'll move up and eat when they're hungry and then go back down and just, you know, kind of hover and hang out there. But I've, I mean, I've caught bass with my live scope in a hundred feet of water and, you know, I've caught them in 65 feet of water. And that's not even with getting on top of them and looking at my 2D sonar. That's right. using my 2D. And I'm actually casting out to those fish and watching my bait go down to them 40 feet out in front of my boat and seeing how the fish reacts to the to the bait. You, I, there's probably been a dozen guys this year that have won tournaments because of forward-facing sonar. And not only do you have to have it on your boat you got to learn how to use it because when i first put it on i'm like well what is this what is that what is this what is that you know why is, you know you you get to see how fish react how fast they swim how they crash bait how they work together to crash bait how they feed how the, when they're not active um and how to trigger them to get active it's um it's it's a huge game changer. It's probably the biggest thing in my lifetime that I've seen that is, that has really changed fishing. Yeah. It, it's interesting that, um, like, I think when, when it first came out, it was kind of one of those things like, yeah, okay, there's going to be situations where this is going to be, be a player, but other parts of technology will still be a factor. Now it's like you said, where it seems like no matter the time of year or the body of water, you can catch fish, with forward-facing sonar uh we've seen it now like come out in grass lakes the toyota series event we had on seminole uh earlier earlier this fall uh mm -hmm. i think dylan mcmillan was catching them on like a jerk bait around hydrilla clumps mm -hmm. uh you know and watching fish come out of the grass and chase his jerk bait down um obviously i think cody huff would be a prime example he won two toyota series events this year uh catching fish with a chicken spoon or a jigging wrap on two totally different bodies of water at two totally different times of year. Um, like Toledo Ben, who would ever think about getting out in the main river channel on Toledo Ben and throwing a jigging spoon at suspended fish? Uh, 
but he's kind of pulled the cloak back on that and forward facing sonar like without it you know he wouldn't have won that tournament yeah yeah i i mean that's a, that's a testament to to how important it is and uh you know we're catching fish that have never been caught before mm-hmm. there's no way without this technology that we'd be able to catch some of these fish just because you wouldn't be able to find them and when you did find them you'd be on top of them and to get them to bite the other thing too is you can follow fish with forward-facing sonar if you're actually casting to a school of fish or even just one fish um you know depending on what's around you as long as you're not in the middle of a grass bed and there's nothing really around and you can see clearly um you can follow fish around and you can i've done it before uh where i've followed schools of 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 bait and fish where you weren't you you couldn't do that with 2d sonar because when the fish would go under your boat you'd see them but then you don't know which direction they're going they're going to the left they're going to the right they're going this way where are they going well when i would lose them now all i got to do is turn my trolling motor and i can see exactly which direction they're going and how fast they're going there and i can usually time it to make my cast and say, okay, they're, they're moving pretty quick. I need to get this bait out there and I need to sling it pretty good. Or, you know, they're just, they're kind of hurting the bait up. They're staying pretty close. I can take my time. I just need to be a little bit stealth and I can make my cast and then watch my bait go down to the fish. But it's incredible. We're catching fish that were uncatchable up until forward facing sonar came along. Do you think, um, like, do you, have you found yet that there are times where maybe you're trying, trying to look at it too much yes. instead of just fishing? Yes. Oh, interesting. Yep. I've kind of wondered Champ- that. Yeah, the championship. I was convinced. Now, at the championship, the lake was going through a turnover, which is why I think a lot of those guys caught those fish so shallow. I mm-hmm. was convinced that I would be able to get out in some of those major creeks and find some of those suspended fish and, and catch them the way that I that I can catch them. Because, you know, wintertime, clear lake, I'm, I was so excited. I'm like, I'm going to catch them with my electronics. I was, you know, it goes back to that preconceived notion when – I had that idea in my head and when I got there, that's what I was looking for. And that's, that's the wrong way to approach it. It is a helpful tool, but it can be a huge distraction and you can get almost addicted to using it where it's like, you think that's the only way that you can catch fish. Um, and there's a lot of times where, especially at Cumberland with as steep as the bluffs were and, uh, as tight as those fish were to the bank, you couldn't see them anyways that, you know, I saw very few fish that were out chasing bait. Um, very few, not a lot of schooling, not a lot of, uh, not a lot of open water action, saw a ton of bait everywhere I went. Um, but it was in like, no matter how deep the water was, the bait was just in 10 feet of water. And that should have been my first, first, uh, give dead giveaway that, Hey, the legs turning over. And you can see the air bubbles too. That's the other thing with forward facing sonar. You can see the air bubbles coming up where you know that the legs turning over. Man, that's wild. But I think you're right, especially at Cumberland. There were a lot of guys that maybe got burned by trying to push that forward-facing sonar thing, suspended fish bite, too hard, and then wound up running out of practice. Even though, you know, it's four days, but that's a huge lake. There's a lot of sections of the lake to look at, and there were different water clarities everywhere you went. Uh, Because of the turnover, it was, uh, yeah, I think that was a good case in point for uh, maybe leaning on it a little too much. But uh, I like your take on it. I think you're right. I think it's now become something that, like, if you're serious about catching fish 
or you know you want to do well in tournaments like you got to learn how to use it yeah and now that you know Lawrence has come out with theirs and Hummed word has come out with theirs you know for the consumer competition is always good it's going to help drive down the price hopefully it'll be you know I, I know that the it's a pain point because it's a it's a big investment you know and if you're just if you're a weekend fisherman or you fish wildcats or whatever, you know, maybe it's not in your budget. And, you know, I would certainly understand that if I was just fishing for, um, you know, wildcats or uh, BFLs, you know, it may not be that crucial. But hopefully this this competition will drive the market down and and everybody will be able to enjoy this because it is it is a blast to use. I love using it. It is so much fun to, to catch them on it, to watch those fish react to your bait and to actually once you really start to learn how to use it, the way that you can use it in certain situations is a game changer. Oh yeah, I uh, I absolutely agree. And maybe you know I'll have to jump in the boat with you at one of these tournaments, and uh, sure. you give me you can learn me up a little more on it because sure. uh, I've spent some time in the boat with uh, a handful of guys, watched them catch fish on it. But I always like learning a little more, and you know maybe we can make an article out of it or something. We'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm happy to do that. And you'll probably like my settings and my color palettes and the way that I use it is, you know, it could be different with different oh, fishermen. Sure. It's all on how you like things set up and how you're sensitive. You know, I'm constantly on manual settings just because I, I, I'm constantly messing with it all day. If you're in 10 feet of water, it's a completely different setting than when you're in 50, 60 feet of water. So oh, sure. I, I'm constantly messing with my adjustments, even on, even on auto uh, I still feel like I want to get the most out of it that I can. So, uh, so I'm constantly messing with the settings. Well, uh, I think, uh, that is a great point to end off at here, Todd. Um, any, uh, final thoughts? Uh, I think you should probably pitch the people again where they can follow you on social media, uh, find your podcast, YouTube, all that fun stuff. Sure. So I have my own YouTube channel, which is Todd Walters Fishing. The content is, there's some content up there, but there'll be much, much more coming up real soon. Um, Facebook, Todd Walters, Instagram, Todd Walters Fishing. Um, and uh, uh, on Twitter, it's Todd Walters Fishing as well. So those are the those are the main ones. And then the podcast is Fishing for Real, a podcast, R-E-E-L. You can find that on Apple, Spotify, um google podcasts i think is their version of it um i should have everything covered so any platform that you're using to listen to podcasts it's fishing for real r-e-e-l a podcast cool man well uh like i said at the beginning i really appreciate you taking time out of your day uh to chat with me i had a blast doing it and uh, i look forward to getting to know you a little more uh next year on the pro circuit and uh you know, maybe interviewing you a little more when uh, you make a top 10 or two or three. I'm happy to do that, and hopefully <laughs> that'll be the case. I did want to take a second and thank my family and my friends, especially my wife, for her support. There wasn't a hesitation for one minute. She said, go do it. Oh, cool. Um, and one of my friends, Heath Toller at AAR Roofing, I probably wouldn't be in the position I am without him. He was the one who supported me and told me I needed to go do this. Um, and uh, several other fishermen and friends that have supported me and convinced me that this is what I need to be doing. I, 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 I'm overwhelmed with the support and love that I've gotten from everybody, and I really appreciate it. And uh, it definitely, you can do this on your own, uh, this professional fishing thing, but if you don't have support like that, it's hard to go places. Uh, so that's, that's, right. that's cool to hear, man. 100%.
Well, uh, thanks again, Todd. I'm going to let you roll. I'm going to get some work done. You get some work done. And uh, I guess we'll see each other here in like a month and a half. I appreciate it. Look forward to it. Thanks, Kyle. Merry Christmas, man. Merry Christmas to you, friend. All right. So, Kyle, we are uh, back and ready to talk about stuff we have made up. Um, (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) I will say I want to plug the registration stuff a little bit more. Sure. Uh, Just because right now, if you go on flwfishing.com, there's a lot of things there that say you can register for stuff. And let me tell you, those things are correct. You can register for stuff. Um, It's like pretty much wide open. Well, it is wide open. Uh, As of Tuesday, that was when uh, all the college fishing stuff opened up. If you want to fish a tournament, if you want to get ready for 2021, go ahead, do that. Um. So that's the first thing. I guess the second thing is uh, to talk a little bit about Active Target. And um, the main thing I want to say is I'm like increasingly impressed by it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Still haven't actually seen it in person. Uh, probably won't for quite some time, honestly. Probably not until like January. Probably not until February, if we're being realistic. Yeah, probably. Um but uh, it seems really clear. It seems like one of the things with LiveScope that it does is there are kind of, you kind of can get a real differentiation between the different like beams of sonar, if that makes sense. And like sometimes you can have little dead spots and things like that. And it seems like the active target has really fixed that in a lot of cases. So I would say I remain impressed by it. I'm now like more impressed by it. Um, still haven't seen a video where I really see it used out to that max, like a hundred plus foot range, Mm -hmm. which is where I like to run it a lot, but I don't know that I'm the standard on that or where I like to run live scope a lot, but I don't know that I'm the standard on that because I think there are quite a few people who run it a lot closer, like in that more, you know, a lot of people run it closer for like crappy fishing and stuff like that in that like 20 to 40 range even. oh sure but for bass fishing a lot of people run it in like let's say the 40 to 70 get them <laughs> yeah <laughs> and a lot of people run it in like the 40 to 70 range um i think the vet pulled up they're doing ultrasounds on the sheep today ah hence uh, the barking. Hence the alarm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Can you still hear the secondary barking now that he's moved out of the room? Uh, not really. All right, great. Well, we're going to keep rolling then. Yeah, let's do it. Um, sorry to uh, everybody get you too fired up there. <laughs> um, hope you weren't listening to this with your dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, so anyway, those are my other li- uh, live target thoughts. Active target thoughts. Yeah. It, What's live target? Something is live targets. Live, live, live target, target. They make baits. That's a bait. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. I combine some things. But you're right. Like um, several pros have gotten active target and are posting stuff on social media. Uh, I think David Dudley has a couple of YouTube videos of him like mounting it and then maybe fishing with it, um, which I haven't watched yet. But definitely from the stuff I've seen, just you know, guys recording on their phones, it does look. Uh, it looks super crispy and better than the first round of forward-facing sonar that 
Lawrence came out with. So, because uh, the first round was needed some work. Yeah, and uh, you know I like it when companies admit that things didn't play out that well, and that's kind of what they've said in some of their releases and you know announcements about Active Target is like, hey, we know the first time it was kind of like, yeah, but uh, we think we got it now, and it definitely looks like they do. Yeah, it does. Um, it looks like I I don't want to say for sure that they have like tremendously advanced to the market. You know what I mean? Like I don't I don't want to say it's better mm-hmm. for sure, but it it continues to look on par and maybe better. And I think that that is huge. Yeah, um, I think uh, I was telling you I I like the the timing of coming out with it too because. You know, 2021, really, tournament season. I mean, heck, I think the first weekend of January, we have a uh, BFL. Um, and then it's kind of after that, we'll have a couple of series events, and then we're off and rolling. So, you know, this is, a lot of guys are getting the boats rigged up. And, uh, you know, for guys that run Lowrance, you can, you know, uh, at least order it now. I know, like, I think Tackle Warehouse won't have it in stock till mid-January, but... Uh, you can at least make efforts to get it and uh, or at least get your boat set up to run it uh, I was telling you I like it because from an ice fishing standpoint uh, you could try to get your hands on it for this winter uh, like the tail end of ice and you know I think that's a that's a pretty good bit because it's not only are we seeing it more in the bass world um, you know play a bigger role that forward facing sonar but now like it's really kind of starting to shine and guys are starting to figure it out for ice fishing. So I think it's kind of cool that, you know, Lawrence now has their hand in the pot to, uh, you know, offer that type of stuff to guys. So I'm all about it. Yeah. And if like, if that sort of late winter, like if you look on, you know, uh, Lawrence says their stuff is available in January on their website. Tack warehouse says expected to arrive late winter. Like if, if they did hit that late winter time, I mean, for the northern part of the country, that's perfect. Yep. They probably need to get it in the hands of their pros a little sooner than that, which I, I mean, they're doing obviously. Um, but yeah, like it's gonna be, it's gonna make a very big impact on the early part of the pro fishing season and the bulk of the fishing season for most normal people. Yeah, which is yep. cool. Um, whereas like the other one thing I also like is, you know, I like that they didn't make us wait too long on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like they didn't say, Hey, here like, it is. Hey, and now like, it's coming out August of next year. Yeah. We're like, I cast, right? Like, yeah. Stuff, um, happen. Like sometimes when stuff gets released at iCast, then you wait around until like, next march for it to be right. able to actually order it or something yeah and that's just dumb <laughs> yeah that's that's super um, annoying so i like that um and i definitely want to see it um i want to see it compared to live scope i think one thing that's kind of ne- cool is there's this huge ecosystem of like extra stuff that goes with live scope that has uh, kind of grown over the years. Um, it's especially prevalent for like extra mounting poles and stuff like that for like crappy anglers mm-hmm. and 
uh, ice fishing and stuff, and that's like that's going to be adapted very well to active target. And there's probably going to be people who previously who are like really smart and good at inventing things and thinking stuff up who previously couldn't really didn't really mess with live scope because it wasn't something they could run or didn't want to run or whatever. Well, now they're going to apply themselves to that, and you'll probably see some even more cool things. Because um, there's, like, the standard way to mount live scope, and then there's a whole broad <laughs> range of, yeah. you know, ridiculous ways to mount it that a lot of them work and have, like, unique benefits. Um, so I think that'll be cool to see. Um, yeah, there, you, uh, no. you ain't kidding about some of the, the engineering that has gone on on some boats uh, <laughs> for mounting those transducers, because... Uh, you're like, wow, I never knew you were so, you know, crafty. Got, oh, yeah, man, yeah. just whip this up in my garage. Or yeah, like most guys Brian know a guy. is a beautiful thing. Yeah. It's a marvel engineering. I, the one thing that shocks me is, and I guess it, some of it shows how, maybe I'm, I'm wrong about how well stuff needs to be built. But, boy, there's a lot of times where I'm like, I just don't know if you want to put that up against the Great Lakes. Yeah. Um, yeah, for when sure. When I see people's uh, engineering. And I will say, for guys who truly just fish the Great Lakes, don't see a lot of extra poles, extra weird things no. on their live scope. Nope. nope. It's usually pretty much just stuck on there the normal way. Um, but I could be, you know, that could be just, that's because that, well, that's what they tried and it's like such an incredible smallmouth tool. You don't need to get fancy. <laughs> yeah, that could be it too. It's like, yeah, I see one. I cast to him. Who cares? It's dumb as a rock. It just ate it. I got him. <laughs> um, so I, I guess we'll see on that one. Uh, another thing I was going to, I wanted to bring up was there was a comment thread in the BFL link finder group on Facebook last night. And Ooh. I never really got it exact answer on this but a guy asked if it was allowed for his co-angler to bring live scope and the idea was that from what i understand his co-angler was going to bring you know basically an ice bundle type deal yep with a pole with live scope on it you know what i mean huh you could do this with active target too sure anyway he said he was going to bring two rods and a pvc pole and i was like well, first, I love this guy's style. <laughs> um, I'm a huge fan of this co-angler. Uh, second, it could be kind of annoying. Uh, third, well, I don't really have a third. Like, honestly, if you want to bring LiveScope with you, I think it's probably pretty sweet. Probably a bummer if he was if your boater didn't have LiveScope and you were just, like, picking them off behind him somehow. <laughs> but I don't know. We never really got a ruling on if it's allowed or not. It seems like there's some GPS considerations, but I think you could certainly turn the GPS off, so I don't know if that's the be-all, end-all. Huh. What are your thoughts? Wow, you know, I guess I never really thought about that because you see, like, uh, you know, you'll see a lot of pros that'll put their graphs on standby, and then their co-anglers are just kind of, like, floating around You're back just there. just kind of like, oh, well. <laughs> yeah, in my, in my head, I always thought, like, well, why couldn't I bring a flasher, you know, and just, like, throw the transducer over the side and at least know how deep I was. Yeah, so that's one thing, like, I would say previously, there, the advantage you get with live scope active target over regular sonar or a flasher is, like, 
it's I would say very significant. Oh yeah. So it probably makes a lot like it makes it a lot more worth it hypothetically to bring it with you. I feel like I not that I've read the rules in fine detail a lot. Yeah. But I'm just thinking like I don't recall ever having anything about you know co-anglers and electronics standing out uh man that'd be as far as i can t- i so i went through the rules last night and i tried to read them and the only the thing that's against that says you can't do it really just says you can't bring like gps type stuff you can't record waypoints you can't do that sure sure which I think that you could very easily turn that off. Or you could get a unit. There's some... I don't know. There might be some units that you could get it without GPS, but realistically you probably can't. But I think you could turn that off and probably still be very compliant. So I think that's the rub, and it seems to me you can get around it. Hmm. Um, Should it be allowed, though? Like, even if... Let's say for the sake of... Keep in mind, we're not tournament directors. Uh, <laughs> no, we but are like, not. Let's say for the sake of argument, it is technically allowed, right? You may have to go through a loophole or two, sure. but there's no rule that like actually says, hey, you can't bring a graph into the... You can't bring an extra graph with you. What do you think? Man, I, I guess like my knee-jerk reaction would be kind of old school in that like, you know, you're a co-angler, co-angler uh, you're there to kind of like learn maybe some stuff from the pro, maybe learn what to do, what not to do. Yeah, chill some. Bring you some rods, bring you some tackle. Let's keep the amount of crap you're hauling in the boat, even a, you know, a graph and a, because that, I don't know, it just seems like a headache. What if the boater was driving and, uh, or like took off real quick before the guy had the whole bundle put away or whatever and it rolled off the back of the boat and kept driving? You know, that seems like yeah. a like a fist fight waiting to happen. So I guess... I would say co-anglers keep the electronics at home. But that's kind of, I guess, maybe just like a... Maybe that's just kind of an old-school train of thought. Like, just bring some rods and some tackle. You know, enjoy fishing a tournament at a lower entry fee. And, you know, trying to learn a little bit before you take your next step to the front of the boat. Where then you can have all the forward-facing sonar you want. I I want to see somebody fish as a co-angler with live scope. Like, Dude. I want that to happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, I absolutely want that person to win the tournament. I also think I agree with you. <laughs> like, it seems like one too many extra things, you know. I'm, like, I'm gen- I'm very pro co-angler, I feel like. Uh, but also, when you see that one guy who's carrying, like, a tackle box's work- worth of stuff with him... <laughs> And if you're a boater, you're like, oh, God. Come on. Or if you're a co-angler, you're like, oh, man, look at that guy. Come <laughs> on, dude. Like, I I kind of think that let's keep it – let's try and keep it a little more minimal. Catch what you catch and let the chips fall. Yeah. Because I, I think um, – Now, I will say, you know how a lot of times in the morning at takeoff we'll have – photos of like a co-angler holding a handful of rods and like tackle bag over his shoulder or like that stuff set on oh. the ground if somebody walks down with live scope Dude, we're taking that photo if a guy's got one rod and like a graph on his shoulder with a stick and active target or live scope attached to it 
Oh my god, that'd be incredible! I will hunt if he's that like guy down with a backpack. His, his screen is already turned on or something like that, and he's got one one, one drop shot rod in his yep. in his other arm. Like, yeah, baby. Yep. That guy, that guy is getting the most on the water coverage a co-angler ever has, intentionally yeah. anyway. And he's probably he's probably also going to win at St. Clair. <laughs> oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt about. He's going to be like, yep, got him, bam, 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 <laughs> twenty four pounds. <laughs> it's going to be beautiful. Um, I'm glad I thought of that extra part there. Yeah, because right? yeah, yeah, that was, it was really enjoyable to read the thread. There are some people who need to lighten up a little bit, like in all walks of life. But sure, like there's just a sometimes there's a knee jerk like anti reaction to co anglers a little bit. Some co anglers get kind of like they can get kind of mean back, but generally it was pretty fun and. uh as of now, it's kind of a harmless hypothetical, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, if somebody has strong opinions about that, you should contact a tournament director. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go right to tell the, them what uh, you think the rules the should be, mind. not us. <laughs> um. All right, Kyle, you ready to play the tackle warehouse game? Yeah. Um, I'm pretty uh pretty excited to see what these uh fun things are you found. All right. So I'm going to give you a category to start with. Does that sound fair? Yep. All right. This is a uh, this is a double tail grub. Ooh. There's a lot of grubs. <laughs> <laughs> um. And uh, really, this has a lot of like good, uh, good stuff. Dude, there are a lot of grubs. Yeah. I bought a pack of these in Blank Craw to use behind a finesse jig for River Smallmouth, hoping this would scare the little ones and bream away. No luck there. Still having the tails torn off by the little fish. Same as the pack of junk and the big bites craw worm. I gotta find something that the big fish like, but it scares off the 7 inch smallmouth. I haven't found it yet, but this did work well for a 7. See, this is a question. This is tough here, because I don't know... Oh, but this did work well for 7 to 12-inch smallmouth. It's a bit of a finesse craw, more than I would have thought. Hmm. Um, sorry, I forgot. I thought for a second he said this did work well for 7... For us, like, for 7-pound, 12-ounce smallmouth, oh. and he just had, like, added the inch hash marks in there, and I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> uh, um, Okay. All right, so you got that one. Uh, this one is, no, I'll read another comment. Quite a few, well, fair number here. Uh, this one here from uh, Noel in Milpitas, California. The best on the market. Any rig you set up will catch fish. Most durable soft bait ever made. Whoa. Cody in Carrollton, Virginia. These baits are outstanding and the best twin tail grubs to hit the market in years. Exclamation mark. Wow. So anyway, apparently super good twin tail grubs. Do you have any guesses yet? Well, I, the durability, the fun thing is, A, my tech warehouse page isn't loading some of the pictures on this page for some reason. Nice. Um, but the funny thing is, like, with with the double tail grub category, 
Well, and it, it is a lot. Yeah, they're all like identical. <laughs> uh, yeah. But the the guy saying durability to me kind of makes me think, um, not Yamamoto. That's definitely true. And then, uh, so it makes me think like a like a Zoom Fat Albert. Well, it's not, and here's <clears throat> my reasoning behind that. One, that's true that it's not. Two. I think this is a more recent addition to the double tail. Like, I don't think this is a Kalen's. You know what I mean? Right, 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 right. Like, I think that there's a time span of where someone would be like, hey, this hit the market. You know, Zoom never hit the market. It just was the market. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's my theory on that. Um, If I was going to help you out a little. So then, like, also durability would scream Z-Man to me, but it doesn't seem like something I would try to target bigger fish with that like goat twin tail or whatever which i'm super hyped for but not to use the twin tail grub right uh so then i mean what else do we got like all right i'm gonna help you out this is an this is a key one here okay okay this is from mike in jacksonville florida uh he left the review in 2015 Great twin tail. Comes neatly packaged. Claws are supported and don't droop, so makes a great jig trailer. Very good as a subtle trailer on a swim jig, spinner bait, or naked jig head. Also good pitching bait with a 3 8 ounce tungsten to cover. Oh, that makes me think uh, Menace Grub, uh, Strike King. Okay, no. Dang. That's a great all-arounder. It's great all-around. Oh, oh, um, I closed. I closed my tackle warehouse page. Oh no! Accident. It's okay. We'll be back. I'm gonna be we'll honest. Be I don't fully see this claws are supported thing. Like they are certainly more than your average grub, but it's a bit of a. I don't know. I don't think too hard on the claws being uh, supported. I guess. Um. Do you want to know? Is it the Nichols want... Trailblazer? No. Oh. I want to see what that is now, though. I'm excited. Um, no, that is weird looking, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like, it, uh, it, I'm going to read another one. Okay. I okay. love them. The X is very soft, yet very durable. All caps for durable. Ooh. If you look carefully at the end of the points on the tails, they're like little paddles, and they make these tails go crazy when swimming or falling. I don't know if that's true. Versatility is also amazing. Trailers for football, flipping, swim jigs, T-rigged, C-rigged, shaky heads, even weightless. I personally love them as jig trailers or T-rigged. You won't be disappointed. Whoa. So one, these are the best ever. Two, they apparently have little tiny things on the end, little tiny extra paddles on the end of their claws. Hmm. I feel like uh, now I'm starting, like, new little things on the end of the claw. I'm kind of thinking Missile Bait's Twin Turbo Grub. Dude, you got it. Oh, for real? Dude, here's the thing. People love this grub, too. Like, everyone is... Oh, my God. Like, it has so many reviews. <laughs> it's got a lot of reviews, and they love it. They're, nobody's like, man, this thing sucks. 
Wow. Definitely best twin tail on the market. Very durable, yet very soft and great action. <laughs> a total of six exclamation marks in that review that was two sentences long. Holy cow. <laughs> the love is Dude, real. People love this thing. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's big time. Um, all right. Awesome. That was good. That was good. I like it. That's a tough category. I know. It's fun, right? It, it was a good category. I think we might not want to dive back into that category necessarily or like maybe just do it in the grub line, you know, and then let the twin tail work itself out naturally oh, or sure, something. Sure. I don't know. Cause a lot of those grubs there, they just look ex- literally exactly the same. <laughs> they do. And then it's like the handful that look really weird. Uh, like the power bait zest tail doesn't, What? I mean, <laughs> it has, a grub, I guess, but it's like not a grub. The zest tail. Well, look at that. It's like a spider grub, except both on the same end. <laughs> yeah. Inspired by a Japanese hybrid design, the power bait zest tail combines the shape of a tube and the action of a twin tail grub into one highly unique bass catching bait. Hmm. You know, I'm going to be honest on this one. This is definitely one of those fake things that I can only invented. <laughs> I've got a joke with a buddy where for a while Ike was like putting out a, a different rig like every week. Yep. And I swear they're not real. He's just like, <laughs> let me put the dumbest thing together and see if people will believe it. I don't think, I think like a third of the time, it's like, I've never heard of this before in my life. I'm just going to name it and put it out there and see if people buy it. <laughs> I think this is one of them. And someone at Berkeley was like, yeah, we should make that. Thanks, Mr. Iconelli. I mean, yeah, I like. I, I don't think I would ever purchase one of those. If I was given a pack, I would probably fish with it out of curiosity. Uh, I don't know what I would do with it. I mean, I tell you one thing, it comes in white. I'd throw so it on my mouth will eat that on a bed. Yeah. <laughs> It actually could be a really good bed bait. Like, who knows? It's got all the things that, you know, fish like on a bed. Well, uh, Berkeley, if you're listening, uh, we'll take a couple pack of uh, Zest Tails. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle, I might get you some of these for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, I do not need more tackle, though. I've uh, been doing some organizing recently and have established that. <laughs> or it just I'm means buy more. you need to fish more. Yeah, the problem is I go through these phases and I just fish with the same stuff for like a month and then or a year and then I accumulate a bunch of it and then I move on to some other thing and I still have like a bunch of the other thing that I used to use. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, I've, I've I've been guilty of that over the years. Like I got a ton of D-bombs, right? Mm-hmm. Really good bait bunch of black and blue ones i don't know when i last flipped the d-bomb because i always flip creature chunks or creature hogs now because i want me that max scent yep yep fair. i want the the full scent amount you know mm-hmm. and so <laughs> now i have like you know 50 d-bombs just chilling and i keep them in the boat half the time because i'm like well maybe, maybe. i'll use them yeah <laughs> uh but then i don't so i'm like well i want to catch a fish and i feel sure in my heart that I'm going to catch them on this. <laughs> uh, despite them still being a great bait. Almost as good as the Twin Turbo. 
<laughs> so, Almost. Anyway, that's my, yeah. Um, I mean, look, the twin turbo is the best on the market. You T-rig it, C-rig it, Z-rig it. It's the deal. Yeah. Whatever rig you could think of, throw it on there. Yeah. You're good. Uh, it's probably good on a free rig. Probably is. Which I got to throw a little bit more uh, now that uh, Takayuki is, like, getting us dialed in on that. Yep. Um. All right. This one is fun, Kyle. This is... Let me check the category. All right, so it's a chatterbait. Okay. Or, well, <laughs> a bladed swim jig. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I really prefer the term vibrating jig over bladed swim jig. Yeah. Or bladed I, jig. I think bladed swim jig is not a really good representation of uh, what it is, but that's okay. Um, yeah, plenty of options. I'm in the category, so uh, give it to me. All right, well, first of all, I'm going to say the uh, bait keeper on this bait looks pretty dumb. It looks like it's too short and just uh, not a great design for anything that's not Z-Man. Uh, that said, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to narrow this down for you. This is not a Z-Man creation. Okay. Uh, anyway, here's some reviews. These are a bit of a roller coaster. Uh not recommended. Swim bait trailer kind of kills the action to near nu- neutral. Not what you want in a quote vibrating jig. <laughs> Looks good and that's about it. <laughs> this is Ty from Rockford, Illinois. Um, another guy. Aaron from Fresno, California. This is actually Aaron Martins. Uh, it's not. I don't think. These are specifically designed for hardcover. The, this vibrating jig is in a league of its own. This isn't for grass, so do your research on a bait before you buy it and see what applications those baits are designed for. Thank you, Aaron, for lecturing the people who are purchasing baits on TackleWarehouse.com. <laughs> um, myself, personally, fishes hardcover, hard structure. I'm always trying to throw a bait against a certain type of hardcover for reaction strikes, and that's where this bait really shines. <clears throat> mm. Um this is a good one here. I got two of these to try out, but never got around to using them earlier this year. I wish that was the whole review. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been a great place to leave it. I know. But I tried one out this winter and have to say they are nowhere near as bad as everyone makes them out. Yes, they don't run as well in grass, but there are a lot of other times I'm throwing one out of the grass. In any place without grass, these things are great. Hardcover bait. Aaron knows how knows the deal. Uh, I've caught a few on it and used it enough to say it's pretty good. It starts up quick, runs good, and has good vibration. So if you love throwing chatterbaits and use them in places without grass, definitely pick this one up. The quality is good and the skirt is nice. This is from Charlie in Indiana. Hmm. Man, this is... Um, let me read one more. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just good. Because... This one, this guy hates it. Um, <laughs> what a useless piece of crap! Exclamation mark. The smallest piece of grass will cause the blade to stop working. Freedom slash Z-Man is the way to go! Exclamation mark. And that's from Steve in Ontario. <laughs> they do have a lot of grass up there. They yeah they do. Um, man, I feel like there's kind of some wonky looking vibrating jigs in this category 
dude, there is some weird, there are some super weird vibrating jigs. I did not realize until I dove into the what vibrating jigs are there, <laughs> how weird you can get on this front. Um, like, I want to say, I, I think one of the first ones you said, like, the, it was something like a trailer throws it off or something like that. So yeah. if I'm if I'm just guessing from looking at stuff and weirdness, uh, it's either like I, the Lucky Strike Rick Clun Trickster uh, would be kind of my first guess. That's not it. And the only reason I, well, I can tell you, one, that's not it. But two, it actually, that bait, the, uh, I've thrown it a little bit. Well, wait a minute. Is that the different? Maybe I'm thinking of a different bait. What's the one that has the big chartreuse front wobbler? That's not the trickster. It's something else. Anyway, it's not that. But oh, great idea. Hey, the trickster actually comes with a swim bait. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, just oh, looking like at it pictures, comes with it and like, it actually sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. What's that one that's got that big plastic? The Terminator. That's oh, the one. The there. the shuddering bait. Yep. Uh, uh, it's not that either, but that one I was going to say, I think vibrates like crazy. I need uh, to get back in this. Okay, so, oh, man. I think, man, there's a lot of weird stuff. <laughs> a lot of weird stuff. Um, I don't know why this keeps... My, I don't know if it's my internet or what's going on, but uh, when I if, like if I click into the category like jigs, bladed swim jigs, it doesn't load all the pictures. But then, if I type bladed swim jigs, it doesn't give me all the results, uh, which is weird. But I can try and send you a. Uh, it might just be. Uh, uh, okay. So my next guess, uh, again, just from like looking at stuff and listening to some reviews, is the Booyah Melee. Bam. Kyle, you're crushing it. <laughs> just looking at it, you're like, dude, if something remotely touched that blade, there's no way it's going to work. It's so weird. Like, I haven't thrown it, and I kind of want to throw it now because, honestly... It seems like I'm interested. <laughs> You've got my they've they've now got my attention just by how divisive this thing is. Um, and it comes in some really nice colors. It and, does come in some know, really cool colors. Jazz, like, uh, but like, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> like, I get that you got to get around the patent, right? Like, you got to try something new. Yep. At the same time, I mean, it's wild. Dude, there are a ton of reviews on this thing. <laughs> I know. It's divisive. There's some people who like who like it, and then there's some people who are like, this is the worst. Do not touch it. Stay away. <laughs> um So yeah, it's interesting. Hmm. Um but anyway, have you rustled up any tackle warehouse game items that you think i should go through or are we gonna call it a day on that no i think we could call it a day i uh i i started trying to rifle through at the beginning of the podcast to find something and i feel like sometimes when you force it it's just not as good and uh i'll try to dig something up for for next time i'll dig a couple yeah up. 
I really, I feel like I got lucky <laughs> um, <laughs> on these ones because I was like, well, I'll look around for a little bit. And I felt like I just kind of hit one pretty quick. I was like, okay, it's actually, the grub is kind of a weird way to go, but it's got some fun reviews. And then the melee was just like, yeah, I've, this is definitely, um, this is definitely happening. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Uh, we had our other active target thoughts. I'm getting ready to go ice fishing soon. Um, Kyle, do you have any uh, last words? Anything else we want to touch on? Um, man, I don't, uh, no, I don't think so. Cool. Next week is Christmas. I don't really want to guarantee a podcast next week. Yeah. Like, I feel like I would be available to do one at some point. Uh, yeah. But I think it's about the same. It yeah. We're we're pro we we may or may not do one. I would say don't count on it. Don't plan a drive around it. Um, you know, if we get you one, it'll be uh, you know, it'll be in the feed by like Wednesday. We're not we're not gonna do this thing. We're not gonna do it like you know Wednesday night or something like yeah, that. You yeah, know, we'll yeah. We'll do it Monday or Tuesday. <laughs> um. And we may, because, you know, there's possibly some news that we're going to have to talk about and stuff like that. And so it might make sense for us to get on the horn early next week and chat. Yeah, but, certainly. Uh, certainly. We'll see. Either way, uh, if we don't get a show out to you, folks, thanks for listening. You know, happy uh, happy holidays. I think it's Hanukkah right now, I think. And then, obviously, Christmas next week. And, you know, I'm, I'm not great at holidays. I'm sorry. <laughs> thanks for listening. We appreciate you. We do. We do appreciate it. Have a uh, everyone have fun. Hope you get out fishing. Uh, maybe go do some hunting. Do something, and uh, you know, enjoy the most wonderful time of the year, as a lot of songs say. And it's not though, man. Pre-spawn is the best. Yeah, yeah Let's be like real. If, if we're really breaking it down, uh, <laughs> this is a bad. <laughs> this is a bad time of year <laughs> from a fishing perspective. <laughs> yeah, it is really not great. Uh, but yeah, eat some, uh, eat some Christmas cookies, eat some, uh, whatever, uh, what's that stupid cake with all the fruit in it? A fruit cake? Fruit cake? <laughs> eat one of those things. <laughs> A stupid cake with the fruit. Yep. Kyle, also, you figured you, it out. Do you like eggnog? I'm okay with eggnog. I don't really, my alcohol preferences are like kind of all over the board and they tend towards sweet, but like, I don't, generally, I don't really like eggnog with alcohol in it that much. And I, I don't like eggnog enough to be like oh, I'm gonna have a big glass of eggnog. Yeah, I like, <laughs> I like maybe eggnog in a glass with some ice, like not a big glass though. Sure, like and a like I'm a cool. little low. Then I'm like, okay, this is good, but I don't want. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna a... go buy eggnog in July. No, no, no. Gosh, no. Mm. Uh, man, I hate it. Well. That's all I had. <laughs> okay. Well, Kyle's not going to be enjoying any eggnog this Christmas. I will not be. Um, but, yeah, I guess uh, that that is probably all we have. We appreciate everyone that made it this long into the podcast. Yeah, you're real heroes. <laughs> um, <laughs> thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you, if not next week, then likely next year. But, yeah. you know, be well. Uh, so, until next time, see ya. <laughs>